You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. First Corinthians chapter 13. Boy, I've enjoyed being in this book. Thank you for being in church today. Good to see all of you here. And uh, hope that uh, you are blessed and helped and encouraged when you come to church. Hope that you get to experience fellowship when you come to church. Hope you get to uh, feel like you have worshipped the Lord when you come to church and singing and, and even through how we listen and respond to the preaching and, uh, and all of it. I hope that it's just something that encourages you for your week going forward. 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter of uh, that we would say the theme is godly love. So very uh, applicable since last, what was it, Wednesday, was Valentine's Day. If you weren't here on Wednesday, it was Valentine's Day, and I preached that evening on murder. That's what I preached. Uh, I, it, we're going through the Ten Commandments, and it, you know, it just happened to be that was the week we're talking about don't murder your spouse. That was kind of the whole message. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we did talk about that. I do want to make an announcement as we're getting to 1 Corinthians 13. We have tonight a meeting after church for the parents of teenagers. And, uh, and, and what's that about? We call it a gap meeting. It's a God and parents. And uh, it's, it's to help there to be no gaps between us as far as authority in the church and you as parents. We want to make sure we're on the same page about things. And really, it's, it's not a long meeting. We're just going to do it a couple times per year to just help give maybe some information. Sometimes it's hard as a parent to keep track of what the new app is and what the new sayings are and, and uh, what is the new danger with this thing. And uh, some of you still don't know what TikTok is. And so, you know, there's just some of those things where you're like, I have no idea. Well, we've got somebody that is, uh, that is still young enough to be involved in those things. Brother Dahara, okay? <laughs> and Miss Dahara. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't care anymore. I don't want to be in that. But uh, we just want to meet with you and just, uh, and just get on the same page and connect. So that's what that's about. We'll do it maybe three times a year. And uh, we used to do it years ago, and it was very, I think, very helpful. And uh, so that's tonight, right after church. Again, not a lengthy thing, but uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to the parents of our teenagers. And uh, we're just going to badmouth our teenagers, talk about your kids and our kids and uh, how bad... No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that at all. It'll be a great encouragement. First Corinthians 13. We're looking at the, ch- the culture of a church that pleases God. Certainly the church of Corinth uh, would be a church that had a lot of things to correct and that's what Corinthians is about. Paul is correcting a lot of the issues in that church. But through that, I think we can see what God does want. And uh, today's message is for uh, those of us in church that we would be living lives of love. That's what the, the message is, that, that love is such an important part of any church and, and such an uh, important part in every Christian's life. How can we truly be a Christian without love? How can we be Christ-like if we don't have love? And so that's the, the, what we're talking about today. And again, the culture of a church we're talking about. What does that mean? We're talking about the atmosphere of a church, uh, the, the attitude of a church, certainly the atmosphere. We're not a dance club in here. 
Uh, you know, that's not the atmosphere I think the Lord wants in a church. We want to do what God wants in a, in a church. The attitude of how we, uh, of how we respond, how we act, uh, our actions, our accepted beliefs. All of that is to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ because it is his church, not ours, okay? We belong, we're in the church, but it belongs to Jesus. From the very outset, I'm going to pray and uh, we'll read this chapter. I want to just ask you from the very outset if love is a missing ingredient in your Christian life. Let's pray, and uh, let's read the, the passage, then we'll pray. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, that's the biblical word there for love, charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, which we looked at last week, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Boy, that's a great verse right there, isn't it? For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Father, we ask for your blessings upon us as we look at a scripture passage so important to us that we would be challenged in the area of loving as you love, of having a true biblical love, not only for you, but for one another. We ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you three things from this passage. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is the fact that love is essential. Love is essential. And I want to say this. If you want to serve the Lord effectively, you have to have charity. If you want to be close to God, there has to be the right kind of love in your heart. If you want to make a difference in this world, in your workplace, in your family, if you want to make any tangible difference, it is going to be not through your harshness, not through your stand, it will be through your love. That is what we need to understand. Our world has very much confused what love is. Love does not mean you have to sanction everyone else's actions. In fact, true love is a friend standing up and saying, hey, you're acting the wrong way. You need to get back to where God wants you to be. That's an act of love, to try to spare someone. Because of love, God corrects us. So this idea that, hey, if you're going to love, love is love. Whoever wants to love each other is love. And you just need to tolerate all of it. That's not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical concept. 
We need to understand what true love is. And this passage tells us love is essential. You want to make a difference? You have got to have love. Godly love in your life. Now, Paul is putting the utmost importance on these first three verses about love. Telling us that love is essential. Look at them again, verses 1 through 3. And notice what he's saying here. Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Ever see like those bands or something with like a guy with a little triangle, a little cymbal, he just sits over there, ding, 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 whatever, you know, like that's what people sound like, in other words, if they don't have the love. So what's he saying? You can be the best speaker in the world, but without love, nobody listens. Can I say that again? What's he saying? You can be the best speaker in the world, but without love, nobody listens. Nobody listens. Where uh, there's a phrase that we've heard many times, we were told as preachers, is that where love is felt, the message is heard. Where love is felt, the message is heard. You know why someone would listen to you sharing the gospel with them? Because they can tell you love them. You know why your kids respond to you? Is because they know you love them. And I see, you know, there's people in my life that have corrected me. And if I know they love me, I can respond to that. Where love is felt, the message is heard. I've heard a lot of Christians say some incredibly mean, hurtful, insensitive things in the name of, I'm just being honest. Or trying to make people feel guilty that they don't live like they live. That's not Christian love. Just saying what you want to say and blaming it on being honest. I'll be honest, I've heard a lot of unbiblical, hurtful things come from pulpits of churches. I've heard a lot of that and I listen to a lot of other preaching. I've been to a lot of churches, I've heard that. Now, maybe, maybe the, the, they meant well, the people that have said things that have been hurtful, but there was no love felt. I love to watch, I watch sometimes videos on YouTube about like church fails, things that just didn't go well, or especially like the pastor loses it. I like to, I, it's funny, but it's not funny. You know, like I'm a pastor, so some of you are like, I'm Googling that right now. But no, no, don't do that. But but uh, I, uh, I like to watch videos where, where it says something like, the pastor loses it. And I watched a video last night. I was like, I just got to search some of these up. And, and I watched a video of a, of a pastor standing down front in his church. He was trying to teach the book of 1 John. And uh, he's, he's uh, just teaching away about God is love. And we are to love. And there's kids crying all through the auditorium. And then all of a sudden, this cell phone rings. It was the loudest cell phone ring I think I've ever heard. It was on video when I heard it loud. I was like, oh man, that was so loud. And the pastor's preaching, God is love, and we are to act in love. And then he walks over. He walks back about four rows to where this lady's sitting. He takes her cell phone off the seat and slams it on the ground. Now, I'm not going to do that. But I can sympathize with the emotion. If you've ever taught teenagers or been teaching in a, in a Christian school or a school at all, you can sympathize with that. That was not the right action. So, but the, I tell that story because the other story that I heard that, that I wanted to share with you, the purpose I was going to share this is because there's a, <laughs> sorry, there's a pastor on YouTube who stood up in his church and just, and you can Google this, like it's, it's, it's worth a watch. And he just starts ripping people in the congregation. And it, it, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. Like, it's, it's not something that he should have done. 
But as a pastor, like, I'm just like blown away that someone would do this. And he's standing up there talking, and somebody over here is doing something, and he's like, hey, excuse me, sir, sir, wake up. He goes, I'm somebody. And I thought, ooh, you, mm-mm, 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 wrong thing to say. He's like, I'm somebody, you better listen to me. He gets down and walks back into the crowd and talks to this guy. And he says, hey, you, big boy, right there. What are you doing sleeping? Are you, you're a, and he says this, he said, you ain't worth 15 cents as a church member. And he says, now you know I love you. He proceeds to go on and says, you, you, think, you think you're going to, you, you guys are engaged. You think I'm going to marry you two? You ain't never even here. No, stand up. He has the guy stand up and he says, no, give me a hug. You know I love you? You know I love you, right? And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, you better say yeah. He proceeds to like just go about, your kids over here, you're going to lose these kids because you're not raised. I mean, and he starts ripping the sound booth, guys. He's like, if you don't like me, you just tell me. I'll go get in my car and I've got it paid off and I'll drive down the road to some people who love Jesus. And I'm just like, oh my soul, this guy. What did it happen that week? What happened? Because... Again, it's worth a watch. It's crazy. And I'm sitting there as, as a pastor watching it like, I've seen, I've seen it several times now. I watch it frequently because it's like, don't do this. I can understand his feelings. I think the greatest part was when he's like, but you know I love you. And, they, and, and you know I love you. They know I love you. Love is essential. Look, you can say the greatest speech ever, but without love, nobody's listening. Verse 2, look what it says. And though I have the gift of prophecy. Now he's talking about spiritual gifts. He was in the first verse 2 with tongues. But now, and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Wow, what great works. What great acts he did. And have not charity, I'm nothing. What's he saying? You can have the best spiritual gifts, but without love, you're nothing. That's kind of tough to hear. Uh, uh, You're a nobody. Is what he's saying. You're nothing in yourself. You can have all these great spiritual gifts and do these exploits, but without love, what good is it doing? Why? Spiritual gifts are supposed to be used in love. This chapter, verse 13, comes right after chapter 12, which is an obvious statement. But chapter 12 was talking about spiritual gifts and how you're supposed to use them in the church, but they're supposed to be used in love. And so that's what we're missing there. You can, have, uh, you can be the best speaker in the world without love, nobody's listening. You can have the best spiritual gifts in the world without love, you're nobody. You've done nothing. It's supposed to be used in love for others, not to gain a status. Look at verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. What a great thing to do. Feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity... It profiteth me nothing. What's he saying? You can be the best servant in the world, but without love, it doesn't profit you. You know it's possible to serve others without love? It's it's possible to serve God without the right kind of love. Think about that. I can be serving someone and not love them, even in church. 
Normally, when you do that, normally when you begin to serve and you don't have godly love, it turns into resentment. It turns into, how come they didn't notice me? How come my name wasn't read on the list? How come I didn't get the, uh, the recognition publicly? How come they didn't say thank you? Okay, so I'm just expected now to do... You mean people are treating you like a servant? See, you can tell a true servant by how you react when people treat you like one. When people treat you like a servant, that's how you can know if you're a servant or not. Because if you don't have the right attitude, it will come out. But that's losing the true purpose of serving. Never, Please, don't ever forget why you serve. Can I help you with this? You're not, when you serve others, you are serving God. So in other words, you serve God through serving others. Look, Jesus didn't come down with a rod in his hand. He came down with a towel. He was serving. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He came down to serve other people in love. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet he's giving us an example of saying, I'm going to serve. And they crucified him for it. So when we serve, there's got to be love. If you don't have the love, you'll burn out. You'll quit. You'll get mad at people. You'll say, they don't appreciate me. They don't... Because... You think you're serving others to get something for you, but you're serving God just because he's God. That's the difference. Love is essential in your life if you want to serve God effectively. Love is essential in your life if you want to witness effectively or help your family. I want you to see, uh, look, that is, learning to love is such an important thing. Learning to love. Love is essential. Secondly, love is expressed. I want you to look at verses 4 through 8 here. These show us the characteristics of true godly love. What does love look like? We're going to read it right here. And as you go through this list, ask yourself, is this the love that I have to God? Is this the love that I have to my spouse? Is this the love I have toward my kids, towards other Christians in church? Towards the lost. Let's look at it together. Verse 4. Charity suffereth long. Does that mean you, you are just, you know, you're suffering in pain? No, it's talking about enduring long. God is long-suffering. He's patient with us. He doesn't just say, oh, you made a mistake? <clears throat> Charity puts up with things. Charity suffers long, endures, is patient, and is kind. Love is kind, well, you can tell when, when harshness comes into a person's life, love is missing. Charity vaunteth not itself. What does that mean? It boasts not about itself. True love is not something that just wants to build up themselves all the time. Because real love is about others. It's not about you. It's not puffed up. Not proud and, and arrogant. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. That means to behave indecently. Love doesn't behave indecently. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. We talked about on on, on Wednesday about the anger that's inside of, of thinking ill about other people. That's because love has been depleted. Look what it says in verse 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
You know, some people, some people laugh or mock or are happy when other people fall. That's not love. That's not godly love. God's not happy when a Christian falls. God's not happy when sinners sin. But rejoiceth not iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Wow. I read a book by a Christian man from India who did a lot of, uh, a lot of great things for the Lord before he passed away. And he was talking in that book about a parable in their culture, which actually I found out there's a parable similar to this in many other cultures, including Asian cultures and South American cultures. There was a young man in a village who was in love with a woman from another village. It's a parable, not a true story. But, uh, but he was in love desperately with this woman from another village. And so he goes and he's trying, he has true love for her, but, but she's really just toying with him. And if you, she said to him, if you really love me and you really want to marry me, then you're going to have to prove your love for me and prove that your love is greater for me than anybody else. He said, of course, my love for you is, is greater than for anybody else. And she said, no, it's not. If you really love me more than anybody else, then you'll go home and take a knife and cut your mom's heart out. What she said. Sounds like a, sounds like a real keeper. <clears throat> and she said, you'll bring that heart to me as a trophy. And when you do that, I'll know that you love me more than anyone and I'll marry you. The man goes home. He's troubled about this. He's dealing with this in, in, a, in a moment of anger and fury. He takes a knife and kills his mom, <coughs> takes her heart, and decides, okay, I've done it. He begins to run to the other village. And as he's running to the other village, he stumbles over a rock and falls and drops the heart. He jumps up immediately and looks and on his hands and knees, and he's throwing branches and things out of the way, and he's looking there, and he sees a rock, and he moves the rock out of the way, and there's the heart behind it, and he picks up the heart, and he begins to dust off the heart, and he hears a voice from the heart saying, Son, are you okay? Son, are you hurt? Son, are you okay? And the story is just a very vivid illustration about the fact that a mother's love is the real deal. You think about love. You think about the truest, most pure expression of love that we know of outside of the Lord is a mother's love for the kid. Absolutely. And that's the type of love God wants us to have. That level of love. Do we have that level of love? Do we express that level of love? Can people see in our life that we suffer long? Or are we just snapping and the first time someone does something, get out of here. Are we kind? Or or do we envy? Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Are these things expressed through our lives? Boy, that's convicting. Convicting to me. I want you to see love is essential and love is expressed. But you already see the third point there. Love is eternal. Love is eternal. I want you to look at the last few verses here this morning. (coughs) I'll be honest, these verses have given a lot of theologians and scholars uh, issues. And I'll talk about that for just a second. But to me, it's very clear what the verses are talking about. Look at verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. 
Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. In other words, love endures even after the gifts fade. Look at verse, uh, the next verse here. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now here's the verse that gives people some issues, verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So a lot of people say, well, what is that referring to when that which is perfect is come? So there's several theories about this. The first theory that people think is just talking about Jesus. That, we, that Jesus will, will come back. Uh, and you know when he comes back, then that which is perfect has come. Some people think that it's talking about the biblical canon being completed. Because obviously Paul is still writing scripture here. And we don't have the completed Bible. Some people say the King James. But that's, that's just ridiculous. So we're waiting for the King James for it to be perfect. No, it's not talking about the biblical canon. Some people think it's eternity or heaven. And some people say, well, Christian maturity. When we are uh, the perfect man like the Bible says. To me, it's very clear when you consider what the passage is talking about. It's talking about the fact that love endures forever. Consider what this is saying here. Love is permanent. Love existed in God before the world existed. Love existed before there was ever such a thing as faith or hope. Love existed before that, and guess what? Love will exist before, after uh, faith and hope are gone. It will be, we won't need faith in heaven. We'll see Jesus. We won't need hope in heaven. What's there to hope for? We got our hope, but love will still be there. That's why it says that the greatest of these is charity. Even in eternity, there will still be love. This is talking about when we get to heaven, folks. It's talking about when eternity comes, when that which is perfect is not, not, not that, that who is perfect, but that which is perfect. And when you read that with that view, you understand, look, prophecy and tongues and special knowledge won't be needed in heaven, but love will remain. Look what it says here. We know in part, we prophesy in part. We don't know everything right now, but when we get to that perfection that's in heaven, then all of these things won't be needed anymore. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. That's what we are down here. We don't understand everything. We speak uh, as a child because we don't know the realities of heaven. We don't know the realities of of the spiritual life, and we speak that way. But when we become mature, when we get to heaven, to that full perfection, boy, we're going to understand a lot more. For now, we see through a glass darkly. But then, when? When we get to heaven, face to face. Now I know in part, but, but then in heaven shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth hope, faith, hope, and charity. But guess what? In heaven, there will just be love. There will just be love. Love is eternal. Think about that for a moment. It's always been because God has always been and God is love. And it always will be. When you get to heaven, you won't have to live by faith anymore. You won't have to determine whether, okay, I'm just going to have to believe God when I pray for this miracle. You won't have to do that. Faith is not needed. Why do you have faith if you already can see the thing? And Christ will be there. Again, you won't have need of hope. Because you'll be where you hope to be. True love stays. True love stays. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. That we have to make every day. 
Can I say, you have to choose to love your spouse. I just fell out of love. That's garbage. You chose. You chose. You choose to love God. You choose to love your enemies. You choose to love your children. You choose to love your siblings, and that may be the hardest one of all. You got to choose. It's a choice to love. That annoying person that works across from you, that chews with their mouth open. You got to choose to act in love towards that person. Choose. Think, I just want to just very quickly listen how the Bible talks about love. The greatest of these is charity. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all your things be done with charity. What things? All the things be done with charity. Colossians 3, 14. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put it on. Decide, I will act in love. 1 Peter 1, 22. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. He's saying, do this. It's a choice. Do it. <clears throat> 1 Peter 4, 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Have charity. So decide. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. How can we say we know God if we don't love others? Jesus summed up the whole commandments and love God, love your neighbor. So that, that takes care of it all. If you'll love God like you're supposed to and love your neighbor, all, you, you don't need to even study what all the laws are. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. The Bible teaches young men and young women to love, to love the brethren, do everything in love. We get so wrapped up in ourselves that we lose the love that we're supposed to have for other people. Because we love us too much. You may be going to work, providing for your family, but do you come home with love? Do you treat the people in your house with love? You're going to be that sounding brass and tinkling cymbal if you don't. They'll hear the greatest speech ever but not be listening. You may be serving on different teams in the church. You may be teaching Sunday school every week. You may be singing in the choir, but are you acting in love? Do you have that godly love? For your neighbor that God wants you to have. I read a story out of USA Today about Gary and Mary Jean Chansey were their names. Years ago, they went to their watery graves after the train they were on derailed and went into the waters outside of Mobile, Alabama. They died, but not before they lifted their 11-year-old daughter, Andrea, out of the compartment and handed her to a lady that was also in the car but had managed to escape. Andrea had cerebral palsy and was in a wheelchair. And they valued her life. You know, evolution would tell you, well, that doesn't make sense. Because one of the leading evolutionists said that there's more value in a pig than a disabled child. That's what evolution would, would get you. But what a mom and dad's love got was a life-saving, self-sacrificing act. And that girl lived. That girl lived. Andrea lived. You know, it reminds me of somebody else who gave his life so that those of us crippled by sin could live. What does love look like? Look at this chapter. 
and then look at Jesus Christ. That's what love looks like. And then go home today and look in the mirror and ask yourself, does what I see in that mirror resemble what I see in this scripture? If we'll do that, I think we'll be challenged to say, I need to love more. Maybe today your prayer ought to be, I'm going to come and say, God, give me godly love. Help me in everything I do to love as Jesus loved. To see the lost as Jesus saw the lost. To see my family through a lens of godly love. To see, to see my Savior in the love that I ought to have. For them. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. How's your love this morning?